The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us uh, wherever you are, the comfort of your own home. We're right here in person. We're really excited that you're with us this weekend. And especially for those of you who are new to our community, I can't wait to spend some time with you at Newish following this service. We're really excited about what God is doing. And uh, Before we get into today's content, as we conclude this series called Different, I just want to give a preview of next week. Next week, we start a brand new series, a three-week series called My Big Fat, say it with me, My Big Fat Mouth. And I love that uh, graphic. We're going to start that next weekend. So make sure you invite a friend to tune in online or join us in person. We are very, very excited about what God is going to do through that series. Now, today, here's, uh, here's the thing. Here's what we have in common together. You know, in light of the past several months, there's this sense that we're all picking up the pieces and we're all trying to move forward together. And for many of us, which probably includes you, uh, for many of us, we're not only trying to pick up our pieces and move forward us as individuals, but we're responsible for other people moving forward too, right? We're responsible for like family members or, or team members or people in the community. We're responsible for, for students or, or players on a team. We're, we're responsible for helping other people move forward. And it's a very strange and difficult time because those individuals, they're looking to you. They're looking to me for direction. They're looking to us for for, for inspiration. And you know what they're looking? You know what they're looking for? They're looking at us mainly for, for hope. And that's why I really have enjoyed this series out of 1 Peter because Peter describes Jesus Christ not only as the hope, but as our living hope. And when we live into the hope of Jesus Christ, you know this to be true, we have an opportunity to impact a lot of people around us. And, and you know this because you're a follower of Jesus or you're a leader, you're an influencer. And so, listen, leading in times under like normal circumstances and normal conditions, it's tough enough. right? But to do it in this season, it's even more difficult. It is so hard. And while the world around us right now is kind of indifferent to Jesus, when we live differently and we tap into his power and his presence, we can have an influence. In fact, we can influence people for the way of Jesus and who he is if we choose to live differently. Now, I I know that for a lot of us, we're in this time and we're trying to influence and, and be different as a parent, as a boss, as a teacher, as a government official, some type of influence that we have with the people that God has entrusted to our care. And sometimes we feel like we don't have all the answers because you know why? We don't, but we know that Jesus is the answer. Well, we don't have, like, we don't know perhaps what to do next and and we don't always know the next right thing to do. We're just doing the best that we can. If we're really honest, sometimes we feel like we're making it up. We're like, okay, I'll just try this and see if it works if we were completely honest, right? But here's the thing. 
if we seek to continue to have a posture of humility and wisdom to tell the people that we care for, hey, listen, I'm not sure. I I think this is the direction that God wants us to go or here's what I'm gonna do right now. Perhaps you're in a work setting and you can't use the name of God and yet you're just trying to lead and you wanna have uh, humility in your heart and say, I don't know, but we're gonna try this because this is the direction I think is best for us. When we can do that, we actually become a better parent, a, a better teacher, a better coach, a better caregiver, a better person, a better Christian. You know why? Because we position ourselves under the hand of God. So today, here's what I want to do. If you're anything like me, you know you want to be a kind of leader that has heaven down wisdom. You want to lead with this spirit-led kind of confidence. You want to be a Christian that has an influence, that, that is different to love like Jesus. But in order to do that, You need a couple passages of scripture. You need God's wisdom in his word. And so for me personally, when I look at a couple core passages around my life and how I want to influence people, I always come back to this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read it to you. And then afterwards, I'm going to ask you to direct your attention to their screens because our staff has kind of put together, they're going to break down this text for us. And there are a couple questions that I want you to write down. So if you're at home, Make sure you find a pen, go grab something, get your phone if you're watching on your laptop or TV. I want you to write these questions down because they're going to help address and inform the way that you lead, the way that you have influence, and the kind of of human being and Christian that God calls us to be. Now remember, Peter writes this, he's writing to churches who are dispersed throughout Asia Minor. And he's writing specifically to to, to church leaders. But but the concept, the application can be applied to all of us and all of us who have some form of influence in our world today. So let me read the text to you and then we'll go from there. 1 Peter chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. Peter says this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. I'm not above you. I'm not below you. I'm a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering. So I'm writing to you because Christ, I watched him and what he went through. Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. And here's what he says. He gives them this charge. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain. Don't do anything foolish. Don't, don't, don't try to, to gain something from people. Listen, but eager to serve them. Remember, Peter saw the service and, and the, the, the work of Jesus Christ in his ministry. Remember what Jesus said, Mark 10, 45? I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So Peter says, make sure you're eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to God's flock. And then here's the promise. When the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. This text right here is so pivotal in terms of us uh, speaking to us about our influence and about our reputation and about how we can be different in helping people as we walk through this season together. So if you have something to write with, get ready. Listen to our staff as they break this text down. 1 Peter 5.2 says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. I want you to think about this for a minute. 
What if the people in your life right now, the folks around you that, that you work out with, that you carpool with, that you go to classes with, the ones maybe you're homeschooling or the ones that work in the cubicle next to you, what if they are the people that God has divinely assembled and put around you for this season and for a reason? Peter starts off here by drawing our attention to right where we are and making sure that we know whose they are. The people around you, they're the flock of God. They're precious, important, loved men and women, boys and girls that belong to him. So Peter challenges us to shepherd them. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think of shepherds, but perhaps the most famous coffee mug scripture, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is our shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He lays me down in green pastures. He restores my soul. You kind of get the idea that being a shepherd is this fluffy Julie Andrews-ish kind of thing. But shepherds weren't soft. They had calloused hands. It was hard work living outside with the elements. It's no cakewalk lollygagging through the lilies because sheep bite, sheep stink, Sheep don't listen, sheep can be dumb, sheep can be easily distracted and wander off. I've even been told that sheep can leave the toilet seat up. Sound like any of the flock around you? <laughs> so what do you do with that? What do you do with being told to be a shepherd to those around you? What's that look like? Because I'm sure some of y'all are like, great, I get to yell and bark and tell people where to go and make them do things. But being a shepherd is much broader than that. Shepherds tend to the needs of the sheep that they care for. They care for them. They provide comfort, food, and security for them. They lead and direct and redirect them. They rescue them when they're in their messes. They protect and defend them from harm, and they nurture them to health when they've been wounded. So when you hear those functions of a shepherd and you assess your relational world, the folks that belong to God that he's brought around you, a different kind of leadership requires us to answer the question, is that the heart that the people around me would say I exhibit? Because Jesus, our model, our example, was different. And he described himself as the good shepherd in John 10. He goes on to say that a good shepherd lays down his life for the sake of his sheep, meaning good shepherds, they're ride or die when the going gets tough and there's conflict and stormy weather and difficulty. Jesus even contrasts good shepherds with bad shepherds who dip and quit, who desert those that God has put around them in the face of adversity. There's, a, there's an Old Testament prophet from ancient literature who called out crooked leadership, crooked shepherds. And Jesus stands against that and, and he calls us to be different. But here's what the Old Testament said in Ezekiel 34. It says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Hmm. Harsh, self-serving leadership and influence is not what 1 Peter is asking of you and I. We're invited to rise up to a different kind of leadership that stands in stark contrast to that self-serving, harsh leadership that society is frankly used to seeing. You're made to be different and to care for and invest and protect and serve and love those around you. But what makes a person actually sign up for that, to try to live that kind of leadership? Well, DeRay is going to come on here next and he's going to dive into what makes somebody live that kind of life. Not because you must, but because you're willing. 
as God wants you to be. When I think about that particular part of the passage, the question that comes to mind for me is, why would I be willing? Why would you be willing? Why would anybody else be willing? See, for me, my, my willingness is birthed from revelation. It's me understanding that I don't have to, I get to. It's, it's a privilege to be able to do something for the Lord. It's, it's an amazing thing for God to use me. It's something to be desired. It's, it's something that's honorable. God did for me. He gave his only begotten son to die for my sins. That's how he demonstrated his love. And now I have an opportunity to demonstrate my love towards him by the way that I live my life. And that plays out in the way that I lead God's people. So it's not because I have to, it's because I get to. It's, it's not out of obligation, it's out of revelation. Are you willing? I'm gonna be honest, there's days where I don't feel it. But you know what always gets me, what always helps me? When I put my focus back on Jesus, when I put my focus back on what he did for me, like when I consider what God did for me, how could I not be willing? How could I not be excited about the fact that he wants me to be? Again, it's not because I have to, it's because I get to. You know what I get to do? God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain. What that scripture means to me as the business administrator is to do everything above board, really watch our funds, make sure they're where they need to be and we're spending those funds properly. How we handle our finances as a church speaks to the community about our integrity here at Pathways. Like we ask you to do, we keep our money the same way. We do the, the giving and um, we save. We have a cash reserves account where we save, and the rest of the money is, of course, like it is in your household, spent on, you know, heating this building, paying this mortgage, all the things that keep the church going and all these grounds going. We set up budgets, annual budgets every year, and every department does them, and then all these budgets, I compile them, and then they get approved by the um, Board of Elders. We also have a great team of counters that come in every Monday, and they have been trained, and they know what they're doing. And a lot of, you know, a few of them have been there for many years. And my integrity is tied to the mission of this church and your faithful giving, and that's very important to me. Another part of my job is HR, and with that, I get to onboard new employees. And at this time, I am honored to introduce you to our newest employee. I need you to fight for me When I don't know what I believe Why does everybody leave? Show me what it's like to dream Hey, go, you the best uh, Hey, say it with the chest uh, Hey, nah, nah, wave them high Side to side, let them know We gon' rise, we gon' shine Hi church, my name is Chad Brown. I'm the new youth pastor, and uh, we're talking about 1 Peter 5 today. And this, this phrase, this section of scripture, it, it fits the season of life that me and my family are in right now because we're so stoked. So let me back up and set the stage. Uh, not pursuing dishonest gain, but being eager to serve. 
And the word there, eager, in the Greek is prothumos. And, and kind of this picture of being enthusiastically willing or ready to go. And I can't tell you enough how excited, stoked, and ready to go that we are. We wanna dream with you. Uh, we wanna serve with you. We wanna do life with you. We wanna partner with you. Um, we wanna equip and encourage all of our families uh, so that your students become faithful, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is the goal. That is the mission. Ministry is not easy. I remember starting out in ministry. Uh, it was tough, and I didn't, I didn't know how to do it much at all. Um, but God, through prayer and time and, and those bumps in the road, has kind of nudged me, guided me, and I'm so thankful for that to get me to here. And uh, God has just some awesome things uh, planned and in store for this student ministry and this church. I'm thankful to the leadership and the staff. Man, it's about to go down. It's going to be so cool. So the question I want to leave you with is, in what areas are you enthusiastically willing to serve? We've been talking for almost a month now about how the people of God are supposed to be different. One of the areas in which we are called to be especially different is in regards to power and authority. Think about the statement from Paul, when I am weak, then I am strong. Or maybe this line from Jesus, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Or as Peter says in our part of today's passage, make sure that your leaders are, quote, not lording it over those entrusted to you. End quote. These ideas aren't just kind of different from how the world thinks about leadership and power. They're completely upside down, the inverse, the total opposite of how the world thinks about power. And here's why. In the kingdom of God, you become great by serving those around you. In the world, you become great by raising yourself above the crowd and making sure they know who's in charge. Check out this passage from Philippians chapter two, where Jesus is presented as the ultimate leader and with the greatest authority in God's kingdom. It says, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven precisely because of how extravagantly he humbled himself, gave himself for, and served the people around him. Jesus is great because in his life, death, and resurrection, he considered our needs and desires above his own to an extent that we can hardly even imagine. And he did this so we would know the true nature of authority and leadership and what it means to be great in the eyes of God. 
In John 13, after washing the disciples' feet, Jesus said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus intentionally and purposefully sets the example for what it means to be a leader and to possess authority and to be strong in the truest sense in the eyes of God. It looks like giving yourself for others because you love them. This is seen most dramatically in the cross. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about his own crucifixion as his being glorified, enthroned, and lifted up. This and several other literary features within the Gospels actually cast Jesus' crucifixion as his kingly enthronement. Jesus' shame on the cross is his throne. His weakness wins the war and his death brings life. But this way of life, Paul says, isn't just for those who get the title of leader or pastor. Following Jesus by valuing one another's needs above your own, rather than lording your authority over others, is a way of life for you and for me and for everyone following Jesus. And it affects every part of our lives. So everyone's favorite group life coordinator, our own Tammy Mostrom, is here to talk about what this looks like in her life and in yours. Thank you, Matthew. So now this verse tells us that we are to be an example for the flock. So what does that look like? Who's the flock and why is that important? When I learned my portion of this verse, I called our daughter Evelyn and asked her, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of my name and the word example? Well, I thought I was asking a rhetorical question because I thought she was going to recite something to me that I had so often said to her and her brother when they were young, you're always an example. Whether you are a good example or a poor example, that is up to you. She didn't say that. Instead, she shared with me how over the years she had watched me be an example to her on how to handle life's disappointments. And now that she's an adult, that those examples have been so valuable to her. So while she didn't respond the way I thought she was going to respond, she did confirm another saying I believe to be true, and that is more is caught than taught. And truth be told, I have only been able to be a healthy example to her because in my adult years, I've been very intentional to surround myself with people who have been good examples to me. Early on in my faith journey, my husband and I joined a small group. And if you've been around Pathways Church for more than a minute, you know we place high value on being part of a small group. We believe when one steps from the row into a circle, that that is one of the best ways someone can grow spiritually. And our group was no exception. The small group leaders we had for that group, they were such great examples to their little flock. They led out to their faith in their marriage, the way they parented, the way they served at church, and the way they conducted themselves in their professional life. And because of their example, I learned so much. So in closing, you need to ask yourself, who is your flock? Is it your kids? Is it your coworkers, friends? Is it an official capacity of guiding a flock or an unofficial capacity of influence? And are you being intentional? Are you being intentional with surrounding yourself with people who are good examples to you so you can in turn be good godly examples to those the Lord has entrusted you with? And lastly, 
Are you going to the most important resource to learn how to be an example to those God has put you over? Um, you might be looking at this old book and wondering what it is. Uh, this is what a decades-old Bible looks like because I followed the example of those small group leaders over 25 years ago and have gone to the source of how to learn to be a good example. So finally, why is it important to get around people who are good examples to you? Why is it important to be in the Word to learn how to be a good example? Uh, for me, I can think of a few different reasons. One, we are living in a very unique time right now. And think about it. If I can be a godly example to those the Lord has entrusted to me, and those leaders can then in turn be a good example to those that God has entrusted to them, think of the impact, think of the ripple effect, at the change we could make in our world. And also, um, a few weeks ago, Adam had talked about how we are called to be holy as God is holy. And I don't know about you, but I am unable to do that in my own strength. I need others around me. Again, I need to be in God's word to learn and to move towards that mandate so I then can help those, again, who the Lord has entrusted with me, move towards that mandate. And last but not least, why it is so important to get those good examples in your life and to be in your chair time is because I want to be able to say, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, I want to say to my flock, follow my example, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know, we have a uh, phenomenal staff here, and I loved listening. You know, I had this idea several weeks ago, and I was so just proud of just some of the staff that were represented on screen today and just teaching. And I want to tell you that they have a heart for God, for you, for Pathways Church. And I think uh, you would agree with this statement as we were talking about this and kind of crafting this whole message together collaboratively. We just have this sense of awareness that uncertainty is a permanent part of, of life, isn't it? Uh, uncertainty is a permanent part of your leadership equation, just like it is a part of mine. Uncertainty, in fact, uncertainty, uncertainty is the reason why we need people of influence who are different. We need a different kind of leader. Your family does, your company does, our community does. We need people, people of Pathways Church who are different. And throughout that teaching, you probably jotted down some questions like I did and was reflecting on those things. The question that I wanted to pose to you, especially after I saw Tammy and her Bible some 20, 25 years ago, when she became, as what she says, a walk-the-talk kind of Christian. The question that God shared with me that he wanted me to ask you was simply this. What, what are you building your life on? Are you building your life on the God of the Bible? Listen, friends, he already demonstrated his love for us. 
we sang about his love and how we were going to build our life. But you know what? Sometimes when it gets uncertain and the waters get choppy and all of a sudden circumstances change, we can drift from the source, our example, this book. God's love letter to you and to me. If you're watching, wherever you are, I don't know who you are, but I know who he is. And I know he's right here, right in this room. Well, all the rooms across our city, our nation, around the world, God is present. And as I was studying this passage and we were talking about this, there was a song that came on as I was specifically looking at the promise of this passage, the promise As I read to you earlier, is verse 4. And when Jesus appears, the chief shepherd, above all the other shepherds, he's going to give a crown that will never fade. Listen, friends, guests, pathways, church family online. Listen, Jesus is coming back. And when he returns, he's looking for a people who are different. I want to be different, don't you? I want to be a kind of person who lives into who Jesus is.